who are faithful to the gospel. The title of our lesson this morning is Taking the Road Less Traveled. Our family theme is <clears throat> standing for what is right. <clears throat> our objective is that we as learners would choose to follow God's ways rather than the ungodly culture around us. We'll be in Daniel chapter 1 this morning. We've got three key truths. Number one, the world wants to squeeze believers into its mold. Second key truth is, believers are to do what pleases God instead of what the culture dictates to us. By the way, is that important even today? Yes. Amen. And number three, God uses believers for His glory when they choose to honor Him. On our Bible basis this morning, we're encouraged to memorize uh, the names and order of the books, number 32 through 35 in the Old Testament. And if you're like me, uh, this makes it difficult because I, I don't know how number 32 is. But let me give you a hint. Number 32 is Jonah. What's the rest? Anybody know? you got Jonah, Micah, Nahum, one more. Habakkuk, okay? Habakkuk. That's not an easy one to say, is it? Kind of a long name. So you have uh, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. By the way, I've got them right in front of me here as well. So, oh, oh they're up there? I didn't even look up there. Okay. Jason, take it back off there for a minute, okay? We'll do it again. <laughs> I didn't realize they were up there. Okay. But anyway, uh, good, good to review them once more. So where does today's story uh, fit in the overall scope of the Bible? Well, this is during the time uh, when Israel was being taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And, of course, before it's over, uh, there'll be another kingdom coming. The Mede-Persian Empire will come in as well. But certainly it's a time of uh, punishment. Uh, for the nation of Israel, and we'll talk more about that as we as we go along. Under I get started this morning, uh, we've got a word, word up there, counterculture. What does that mean? Say it again, Dan. All right, and that's that's a pretty good way, pretty good way to put that. Uh, it certainly goes against that. Uh, do as Christians today in our society. Do we need to be countercultural? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and especially in the world that we live in today. So that being said, uh, what are some of the ways that we, we need to be countercultural? What are some of the ways? What activities? All that, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, here, here's the thing, folks. If God is not pleased with something, can we be pleased with it? No. If God says something is wrong, can we say it's right? No. And so we're, you know, and we're living in a culture today where everything goes, uh, and we have to stand against that. Now, by the way, in our culture, if we stand against it, Will that win us a lot of friends? Not at all. And the sad thing is, sometimes even the church, you'll stand alone. 
when you stand for the truth of God's Word. So, Lord willing, today we're going to begin to look at the lives of some young people, uh, believers, if you will, in, in God, of course, who said, you know what, we are going to live our lives to please God rather than follow the ways of the ungodly culture around us. We are going to make a difference. We're going to take a stand. And uh, we're going to take a couple of lessons from the book of Daniel today. And I suppose, uh, again, one of my favorite characters, I like Joseph probably uh, as well, uh, good as well, but Daniel is, is too. Because there's some things that he does early on in his life. Now, also understand, we know that uh, they're being carried away into captivity. And uh, we need to remember, well, let me ask a question. Was God forced to allow them to be in captivity? No. He allowed it to happen. God could have prevented it. But we also have to understand, uh, certainly there were some Jews who may have begun to doubt if God was as powerful as they thought he was. And certainly the Babylonians believed that their gods were more powerful than God Jehovah because God, they had victory over him. And, uh, but please understand, the only way Babylon was successful is because God allowed it. In fact, uh, one of the books we mentioned a moment ago, Habakkuk, Habakkuk was concerned that God was letting Israel get by. And God told Habakkuk, if I told you what I'm about to do, you wouldn't believe it. And so God told Habakkuk, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. And they're going to punish my people. And guess what Habakkuk said? I don't believe it. They're a, they're a worse, they're, they are a horrible nation. They're more evil than we are. Uh, but yet God raised them up for his purpose. So that being said, who can force God to do anything he doesn't want to do? No one, okay? He allowed it to happen. Now, it's interesting. We're going to find today that God is going to use Daniel and, of course, his friends as well to demonstrate God's power and sovereignty even in the midst of that Babylonian culture and those Young boys will soon be men are going to make a difference in that culture. So we'll pick it up in Daniel chapter 1, the first seven verses. We're going to find out the world wants to squeeze us into its mold. Let's read the first seven verses. Daniel chapter 1, please. Thank you. 
Thank you, Dan. <coughs> you remember back in the days of the Exodus uh, when God inspired Moses to write Deuteronomy and, of course, other Decalogue, the other parts of the Decalogue. God was taking them to the land of promise. But did he warn them what might happen if they don't obey him? Over and over again. And God always has to be true to his word. And so he had warned them in Leviticus and Deuteronomy a couple different times. And he says, if you turn away from me, I will discipline you. And that's exactly what's happened here in the first chapter of Daniel. This uh, captivity would take place in three different ways of, of taking people captive. And we find out early on in chapter 1 that the king Nebuchadnezzar had taken some of the vessels that were used for worship of the true God, and he brought them back to Babylon. How many know that they would live to regret that? If you know the story of the book of Daniel. Now, certainly Nebuchadnezzar would not. He wouldn't live that long. But his grandson would certainly see that day come about. That's interesting. Again, we're not told every detail. But according to Jewish tradition, uh, the Jews had taken the Ark of the Covenant and they hid it before the invasion uh, started taking place. And as far as I know, they've never found that, but I, I don't know that, about that for sure. But nonetheless, uh, they didn't get that. Now, keep in mind, uh, this empire was a worldwide empire, I mean, at least in that area, a very vast empire. And would you agree it takes uh, a good administration to govern that kind of empire? And so... The rule of thumb was they would, of the nation they took in captive, they would take some of the best of those captives, of that whatever nation it might be, and they would school them in the culture, uh, the language, and the training of the Babylonians. Now, my question is, why would they do that? Absolutely. They wanted them to meet their culture standards. Now, it's also kind of interesting, and Dan, we, you just read it a moment ago. Uh, those who went in on this first wave, they were commanded to take certain people of Israel. Which ones were they? Notice what it says. Those of royal lineage, of princes, those who... Say it again. Yeah, exactly. The brightest, the best of the culture. Someone that can be trained to stand in the king's court and, of course, ultimately to carry out the king's demands wherever they're placed in the empire. So we see Daniel, his three friends, all from Jewish royal families, families of nobility, 
And they're enrolled in the University of Babylon, for lack of a better word. Look like it's a three-year course. And what are, they being, what are they being trained in? Everything in that culture. They wanted these Jews to act like what? Babylonians. They want to squeeze them into their mold. I don't know if you agree with me, but education has always been one of the primary ways to instill culture and a worldwide view in young people. You remember years ago they talked about education consisting of the three R's? Anybody remember that? Reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Um, nothing wrong with that, all right? But what's happened to our, our education system now in America? Say it again, Paul. And that's true. But what are they teaching them? That it's okay. These perverted lifestyles are okay. We need to tolerate these kind of things. And, we, and, and, and by the way, folks, education is never neutral. There's an agenda. And Paul, you're right. The sad thing is a lot of our kids coming out of school nowadays can't do those basic things because of all the other garbage that's going on in our education. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I tell you, folks, the thing that scares me about our nation, because of what you just said, Paul, our young people are being indoctrinated, and, folks, we're going the wrong direction. And it's not going to get any better, because education has always, always had a tremendous force in promoting certain ideology, philosophies, and beliefs to those to whom are being taught. So we find early on that the Babylonians certainly had a desire to transmit their values onto all who came into their, under their realm, if you will, in their ed- educational system. Now, keep in mind, education and the system will always try to mold young people into their way of thinking and their way of acting. Now, by the way, that's why it's important that we know what's going on. Because there's indoctrinating our children and our grandchildren, and the same was true in Daniel's time. So if we have Daniel here, his three Hebrew friends, companions, if you will, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they leave Judah in the first wave, around 605. B.C. Now, here's what's interesting. A lot of people who are taken captive during a period like this, I mean, overall, uh, a lot of them would become slaves. But overall speaking, Daniel and his three friends had it pretty good. They did not? Because what kind of food could they eat? 
Yeah, the best of the land. Yeah. They, they, you know, they, 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 they fared fairly well. They had good food. I'm assuming they had good lodging. And they were certainly going to receive an, an elite education and probably had a guaranteed position when they graduated, okay? Because they were, they were selected, you know, uh, bright young men, if you will, people who could stand in the king's service and, and work for the king, if you will. So, again, training them, and all the time they were expected to give up their traditions of their own nation, abandon their form of beliefs, at least make them uh, second to Babylonian culture, if you will. And, and by the way, how many know that's what the culture today wants to do to us? Now keep in mind, Satan is the prince and power of the air. And he wants every part, every square inch of this world. And he, he wants to draw as many people as he can into his uh, realm, his influences. Uh, and he wants to, to influence the culture around us. So we've always got to be careful. And we need to ask questions about what's going on around us. You know, what kind of world are they trying to bring into existence? Uh, what uh, is the influence of uh, and, and the direction? What, where are they going? Uh, what kind of world do we want to bring about? And the question is, will, will what they're saying or promoting, will it make us more like Christ or more like this world? Both those are very, very important questions. So God has allowed his people to be taken into captivity. He remained true to his word and he delivered them into exile because of their disobedience. He had warned them over and over again what would happen if you didn't obey me. And of course the warning was very clear. Now I mentioned a moment ago uh, the first wave of of captives was in uh, around 605 B.C., eight years later in 597, uh, Jehoiakim was taken uh, prisoner. Uh, Eleven years later, 20 years after the first wave, uh, they took King Zedekiah and still more treasures. And that's when they destroyed uh, the temple, tore down the walls, and burnt the city of Jerusalem. So God was true to his word. And over a period of 20 years, God allowed these waves to come in and take his nation into captivity. But remember, even now, God is still in control. Let's apply it. We need to do everything we can to become more like Christ and less like the world. Do all we can to become more like Christ and less like the world. So my question this morning is this. How can we become more like Christ and less like the world? What do you mean by that? Absolutely. Now, Lavendi, wouldn't you agree if we follow his word, we'll become less like this world? Sure. We get our principles from God's word, not from the culture, but from the word of God. We begin to follow his word, we begin to think more like Christ, 
We put that word into practice. And by the way, we also need to avoid anything that draws us away from Christ. Now remember, what is Satan trying to do to us? Draw us away. Influence our lives. All right, next question. Is our world that we live in, our culture, is it trying to make us fit into its mold? And if so, how is it doing that? Does our world try to make us fit in its mold? What are we being told every day? If you stand for the truth of God's Word, you're a bigot. Now think about this. The shooting in Nashville a few weeks ago at that school. And the, and, the, and the media won't tell you this, but that was a hate crime on Christians. That's exactly what it was. It was an absolute hate crime on Christians. And yet the media says, the poor transgender people. Now, by the way, I don't care what our world says, God created two kinds of people. What are they? You sound awful sure about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He did. He wouldn't, he wouldn't last a day, would he? Nobody. They, they'd have to, what do you call that? Cancel him. But you're right. I heard that clip. <laughs> I was listening to one clip the other day, and the conservatives said if they would have tried this, they need to do what they would have done 50 years ago if they tried this. Well, the liberal thought he was something about, uh, you know, violence. He said, no, they would have institutionalized you as being mentally, you know, wrong. And folks, God's word still stands true. And we're being bombarded. And they're trying to force us into that mold. And, and by the way, how many know a lot of churches are buying into that? Now, our, we're, we're on our third week of our Easter series, uh, being made new by the power of the resurrection. And one of our points we're going to make this morning that everyone is welcome in the family of God, and we are. But how many know that God loves you how you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are? And certainly we, we welcome anyone. But we also rely on the power of God to change lives. And the world doesn't like that. So number one, true in Daniel's time, true in our time, the world definitely wants to squeeze us into its mold. Number two, key truth, believers should do what pleases God instead of what the culture dictates. Verses 8 through 16, Daniel 1. Somebody read that, please. Thank you. 
Right, thank you. We had just read in the first in the previous verses that these young men were to be schooled in Babylonian culture and language and all of that. And they were to eat the finest food, the king's meat, drink his wine. Uh, but Alan, what's the first two words of verse 8 say? But Daniel, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, Daniel had a plan. And what is, according to verse 8, what did Daniel do? Say it one more time, please. Yeah. Now, we're not told, Dan, but I think he did it early on. Don't you? I mean, right away. Would you agree he drew a line in the sand? I'll go this far, but I'm not going to go any farther. In fact, he determined that he was not going to defile himself. So my question, as we read that so far, what was important in Daniel's life? Ah, and their God. Now, did you notice though? I mean, I, maybe I'm, you know, picking it at. Nah hair here, I don't know, or frog hair. Uh, by the way, somebody did tell me there's a species of frog that does have hair. I didn't know that. But anyway, um, as you look at this story, we hardly ever hear the name given to Daniel by the Babylonians used. We hear Daniel. So I don't know, you know, is there something to that? Maybe Daniel, if you, I don't know. But, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sort of the uh, Babylonian names. And I'm, I'm not condemning them at all. But he, he certainly didn't even like that name. Daniel, and, and by the way, and his friends as well, they wanted to stay true to God. And I don't want to catch you off guard here this morning, but uh, is the, the youth at the National, they still use the term vertical three. You know what that means, Anna? Say it again. What's got to do with them? They stood up there for God. They stood for God. Even when they stood all alone. And we'll talk more about that probably next week or so. But Daniel's priority was to please God. He determined he wasn't going to defile himself. Now, I don't know how, how far Daniel would have gone with this. Uh, first of all, uh, according to verse 9, <laughs> what had God done for Daniel? Yeah, had favor on him. Yeah. But, and, and you can't miss that. God caused that to happen, right? God caused that to happen. So... Daniel goes to this prince of the eunuchs. He says, look, I, I just can't do this. I just can't do this. So this 
Melchor, Melzar, what was his reply to Daniel? Now remember, he, you know, God had caused Melchor to uh, Melzar to have favor upon Daniel, but what's his reply to Daniel? Yeah, and, and it, it could call Melzar his life. So that wasn't, was that unreasonable? No. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm afraid, Daniel, if I let this happen, it could be curtains for me. So anyway, Daniel comes back and he offers an alternative. He, he offers a plan. What's he say? Yeah, so he doesn't demand it. He just says, hey, let's try this plan. Now, it's interesting. For 10 days, for 10 days, let us eat vegetables, that's what Paul says, and water. No no fancy meat, no of the king's wine, just vegetables and water. And after 10 days, come and look at us. So my question is, what power did Daniel have in this situation? I didn't talk about God's power. I said his, but you're right. Without God's power, would it work? No. And so just for 10 days, and I wouldn't mean, but yeah, you're right. Daniel had no power except God's. But it's also interesting, and I don't think I'm wrong here, but to me the amazing thing, Daniel's trusting God in this. He's trusting God that there is going to be a difference. So Melzar says, okay, Daniel, we're going to try it your way. Now, we're not told, but what do you think Melzar might have thought? Yeah, I mean, only 10 days, come on. There won't be, you know, certainly you won't look any better. You may start looking a little more frail, but, you know, but nonetheless, he agrees to it and lasts it for 10 days. And so, Ten days come and go, and what happened? Yeah. Now, isn't that amazing? Just in ten short days, there was a noticeable difference, and it was positive. They looked better than the rest of them. And so Melzar said, you know what, Daniel, we're going we're gonna to keep it up. We're going we're gonna to agree with what you have asked. So several have asked questions are, you know, why this is proposed by Daniel and his friends. Why would they reject the king's diet? Well, there are certainly several possibilities. Uh, Some would say the meat would not have been kosher. And so according to the law that God gave Moses. But also, uh, I had to call Jeremy this week and tell him this as well. Uh, the Jews usually diluted their wine because they did not want to be afraid of disobeying the commandment not to be drunk with wine or not to become drunk or, you know, with wine according to Proverbs. 
And so they always diluted their wine as a warning against strong drink. Babylon's wouldn't have done that. Another possibility that uh, the wine and meat may have first been offered to idols. And that would be a problem, and we see it later on in the New Testament as well, church, you know, years later. Uh, And some think that maybe they decide, you know what? We just don't want to be lured into your culture. We don't want to become comfortable in this Babylonian culture. Now, which one is exactly true, we don't know for sure. But one theologian said they probably all are. They're all good reasons to avoid the king's diet. So, just the same way that God gave Joseph favor in Egypt, he gives Daniel and his friends favor with the officials in Babylon. So, Daniel proved it for 10 days, uh, or to put a test out there. God uh, honored Daniel. And uh, uh, they passed the test. But here's what he didn't understand. We realize that God had a special purpose for Daniel and his three friends. But God has a purpose for us as well. And even though we may not be rulers in a kingdom like Daniel and his three friends were, we need to choose not to defile ourselves. In the areas where we have control. We also need to be respectful uh, to those in authority and appeal to them rather than demanding like Daniel did and offer a reasonable solution. We have to be respectful and do what is right. And we have to trust God to honor our desire to be like him. Now, I'm only speaking my opinion. My opinion is, and this is, has no value to it, okay? Just an opinion. I believe that Daniel still would not have indulged in the king's meat and wine, even if he didn't pass the test. I believe Daniel would be willing to die if that's what it took. And that is only my opinion. Well, preacher, why do you say that? Well, we're going to find out in the next chapters of, of the book of Daniel. Taking a stand when nobody else will. Now, first of all, uh, in Old Testament times, most countries, including Israel, believe that gods were ge- geographical. God's okay in Israel, but he's not okay out here. Uh, and almost all pagan believes that, believe that way, and Israel to some degree. But you mentioned a moment ago, Dan, that the name given to Daniel was one of their gods, the Babylonian god. But my question is, who was in control in Babylon? Their gods or our god? The god of the Bible. He was in control. <clears throat> so keep in mind, even while in Babylon captivity, God was still in control. Let's apply it. Respectfully, Choose what pleases God, no matter what our culture says, no matter what it does, no matter what it thinks. When might choosing to please God go against the cultural norm? When will that, when can that happen? 
Do you ever hear the phrase, everybody else, everybody else is doing it? Does that make it right? No. We choose not to do it because it goes against the Word of God. We also decline invitations to participate in simple activities, especially if it goes against anything that violates the Word of God. So, number one, the world wants to squeeze in this mold. Number two, we have to do what pleases God. Number three, let's go toward the end of the chapter, in verses 17 to 21, God will use believers to glorify Him for His glory when they choose to honor Him. Somebody read verses 17 to 21, please. Thank you, Dan. Now, listen to me. If you're like me, you're guilty of reading through the thing. Wow. But how many know that from verse 16 through 21, three years go by? And what are they doing that three years? Ah, they're being trained. Yeah. It was was rigorous, if you will. It was uh, stressful. They were being trained in that culture, their language, their culture. Everything about the Babylonian culture was being pumped into their lives. So it was very, very strenuous, very strained, if you will. But I like in verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. (laughs) Now that doesn't mean they didn't study. I'm not saying that. But don't miss the hand of God. And almost like a footnote, we are told that Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And you know that will play an important part in the rest of the book. But the bottom line is this. God intervened. And according to verse 20, when the king examined them, How did he compare Daniel and his friends to the rest of them? Ah, they were ten times better. Now, I'm not sure, but from my study before on that particular phrase, it means they were infinitely better than anybody else in that kingdom. Why was it? Because God gave them knowledge. By the way, the book of Daniel is only about 12 chapters long if I remember correctly. But the end of verse 1 says that Daniel was there until the first year of the King Cyrus. The book of Daniel covers 70 years. And even though only four kings are mentioned, eight kings reigned during that time. And guess how long Daniel remained faithful to God? 
Thank you. All the time. You know why? Because back early in the story, Daniel purposed in his heart. Church, draw a line in the sand. This far and no more. Let's stand together. Next week, chapter 3, book of Daniel. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for an example throughout Scripture of men and women who took a stand for Christ, a stand for God, Lord. And Lord, help us to take that kind of stand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless each one of you.